I remember after the first week, Margie, she said, you know, I just feel lighter. And I think there was something about reenacting their experiences for a group and sharing their stories in that way that allowed them to look at them with more detachment Mm -hmm. and also maybe see the humor or the play in moments where they hadn't before. That was just such a gift for me as a director to feel like what I was doing had a tangible result on people. You don't always feel that with the art that you make. Hi, everyone. This is the AgeWise Podcast. Your assumptions are going to be turned somewhat upside down. Where we talk about aging well. It's an issue that nobody wants to talk about. And wisely. I was totally unfamiliar with the term caregiver. You really learn what you're capable of. I'm Jana Panaritis. In January of this year, we spoke with theater artist, writer, and educator Nell Bong Jensen about a new performance piece, then in development, about caregivers. If you missed that episode, go back and give it a listen. It's number 127. Nell is the Associate Artistic Director of Philadelphia's Pig Iron Theater Company, which tends to produce work that's eclectic and doesn't fit easily into any one category. Back when I interviewed her, Nell told us about her process for developing what was then called the Caregiver Project. Five months later, the piece went live at the Pig Iron Studio in Philadelphia under the title The Caregivers. Nell's back with us today to share a bit more about how the piece took shape and how it was received by audiences. Nell Bong Jensen, welcome back. Welcome to the AgeWise Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. So for listeners who aren't familiar with the project and who might not want to go back right away and listen to the first episode, Mm -hmm. can you just give us a brief overview of how the piece took shape and what your initial goals were with the piece? Sure. So the theater work that I am the most passionate about falls under a category called social practice. Basically, it just means thinking broadly about how theater can serve a community. And part of that might mean doing main stage plays that people come to as audiences, but it also could include work that's developed alongside certain community members. Um, So really thinking about what can the form of theater and the creation process do for people, going beyond just having them see something, but having them make something as well. So... When I was thinking about a social practice piece, which is sort of was the culmination of my time as Associate Artistic Director at Pig Iron, I wanted to have the topic be about something that often happens behind closed doors and in individual homes, but would bring the residents of our neighborhood out to be collaborators and meet people they wouldn't normally get to meet to see what this creative process is like, and then actually to be in the spotlight sharing some of their stories. Mm -hmm. So... About a year ago, I started reaching out to social service organizations in Pig Iron Theater's neighborhood. So that included an organization called the Lutheran Settlement House, who runs a caregiver support group for people. It included a place called the Children's Crisis Treatment Center that does a lot of caregiving and social work for different kids in Philly's neighborhood, and several other organizations. And I just started meeting people there and saying, listen, I want to make a play about this. Do you know caregivers who would be willing to share their stories and perhaps be involved in the piece? And then I would hold these informal gatherings called story circles where Mm -hmm. people would gather in a room 
We'd have snacks. They'd start sharing their stories. Uh, and I'd talk about the process of making a play and what that would look like and if there are people who'd want to be part of it. So there are some people who just came to the story circles and were able to meet people and hear about some resources available to them. Mm-hmm. And then there were people who said, oh, I would love to continue on and find a way to make the time. And so I formed a cast of about seven people who were caregivers in one way or another. It's such a broad term. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then two professional actors and together we generated material and wrote it and performed it for three performances this June. Wow so it was three performances and I understand they were sold out and waiting list only which is pretty amazing. Yeah (laughs) it was yeah the response was really overwhelming. So when we spoke in January you mentioned that the central question for you as the director was how to represent the experience of caregiving in a way that the caregivers involved felt good about, and at the same time, making it an artistically interesting piece. So do you Mm -hmm. feel like you pulled that off? And how did the piece ultimately take shape? Yeah, I do, actually. And I I don't mean to toot my own horn, but I do think (laughs) it was what was really beautiful about it was that combination of it feeling very authentic coming from these caregivers, but also figuring out ways to represent their experiences in humorous and abstract and metaphorical ways. So, Mm -hmm. you know, just to give an example, there was one scene that this caregiver generated based on her experiences with her parents. She and her husband live in South Philadelphia and her 95 year old father and 91 year old mother have been living with them for the past 14 years. Mm -hmm. And she talked about having dinner with them every night. And her father has dementia and her mother, it looks like, is experiencing some early symptoms as well. And she talked about the dinner hour being the hardest, just making conversation (laughs) for 45 minutes while they were all eating. Mm -hmm. And that she would give herself a chocolate bar every night. (laughs) Her reward for getting (laughs) getting through dinner. (laughs) Exactly. And so we, we made this whole scene where you know, we see the dinner and we see her struggles and it's it's very funny and but then it kind of devolves into her sliding beneath the table with her chocolate bar and imagining that she's on this chocolate life raft uh-huh. that takes her to an island where no one needs care. <laughs> and so that became this whole other scene on sort of a fantastical island that came out of her experiences and her imagination in these moments, but also helped us reach a more sort of abstracted theatrical space than if just every scene was, you know, around a table or in a bedroom or something like that. Mm-hmm. So you were talking about a character who, from my research I read, was a story of someone named Margie Strasser. That's right. Her story, okay. Mm-hmm. That so was she, Margie. Margie, who had lived in Philadelphia for 15 years and her parents had been living with her for 14 of those 15 years. So if you could talk about the staging a little bit, you mentioned sort of creating these scenes where there was fantasy involved as well. Mm -hmm. For folks who didn't get a chance to see it, if you could talk a little bit more about the staging and how caregivers swapped roles with ensemble members. Yeah, well, one thing that was interesting that came out of early workshops was that often we would be reenacting stories based on someone's experience, and they knew in their mind exactly how 
you know, whoever they were caring for would behave. Mm -hmm. So if, you know, there would just be these interesting moments when, for example, you know, Kinshasa would be telling Brad, one of the professional actors in the room, okay, you know, my dad has this blank stare and he'll be looking out here. He might imagine he sees someone and Brad would do something and then he's used to improvising and making things up. Mm -hmm. And he would say something and Kinshasa would sort of stop the scene and be like, oh no, he would never say that. (laughs) And so, so getting things accurate was fairly when it's based on people's real life experience is very important. And I actually realized that that in and of itself was a very theatrically interesting moment to have someone playing someone else's loved one and then to hear, oh, no, you're not doing it right. They wouldn't do that. And so so that became a theme for us. Yeah that there were many moments in the piece where we actually showed that to an audience and someone would say, no, 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 they wouldn't do it like that. Do it this way. And I loved it in part because it's acknowledging the theater of it. Um, Mm -hmm. It's kind of a game, Mm -hmm. but it also, I think, relates to this larger theme throughout the piece of, you know, that can be all of us one day. So the idea that people would switch roles and that was a larger motif Uh felt really important thematically as well. So in that scenario, Brad was the actor and Kinshasa was one of the actual real life caregivers? That's that, right. That yeah, right? she's okay. caring for her father who has dementia. Okay, so how many real life caregivers were in the piece? As opposed, to act, as opposed to actors? Seven, okay. Yeah, okay. seven real life caregivers and two actors. And okay. then also a musician, two musicians who were on stage oh, the okay. whole time. So was there audience participation as well at all? There wasn't really. Mm -hmm. Um, They watched and enjoyed and often the performers would look directly at people and make eye contact. Uh It's called direct address, but Uh audience members weren't required to participate in any way more than that. What was fun about this for you in terms of the process and what was challenging? Mm. There was so much that was fun. It's really a gift as a theater artist to, you know, I think I, I can make the argument that art serves so many different roles in our society and is in many ways sort of the keeper of our soul and our feelings and, you know, all of those less tangible things. That's why we read books or Mm -hmm. see movies. And, Mm -hmm. but there are times where I think theater can become a little bit of a bubble and a lot of the audience are people who are in the theater industry and um, you Mm -hmm. see the same people over and over. Mm -hmm. And so it was very satisfying to be doing something where even just the process of making it felt useful. It was very therapeutic to people. Um, I remember after the first week, Margie, she said, you know, I just feel lighter. And I think there was something about reenacting their experiences for a group and sharing their stories in that way that allowed them to look at them with more detachment Mm -hmm. and also maybe see the humor or the play in moments where they hadn't before. And so that was just such a gift for me as a director to feel like what I was doing had a tangible result on people. You don't always feel that with the art that you make. And so that was really joyful. And then it was just such a wonderful room of people. I mean, I think they all, there were times it really felt like they were getting a master class in acting and we all were getting a master class in caregiving. Um, Especially, (laughs) you know, I would say most of the creative team were people in their 30s and 40s. And most of the caregivers were people who were 60 and older. And so it was this really interesting dynamic of group learning on all sides Mm -hmm. um, and people having really different kinds of skills and and wisdom that they could then share with the group. Mm -hmm. And challenges in particular? Yeah, time was the big one. Time is really hard. I think, you know, as as theater people, 
you know, it's our work. So we're used to being in rehearsal for eight hours a day, six days a week. Right. And for caregivers, obviously, that's not possible. And so, you know, I built a process that supported their lives. So we only rehearsed once a week until the very end. But it was interesting. We did a QA and a after a performance. And there were, I think, four days leading up to the show that were, you know, days of four or five hours, which for a theater person is nothing, but for them is a lot. Yeah. And, um, I remember Kinshasa said in the Q&A, she said, I just was like over it by the end. <laughs> she was like, it was so fun going once a week and then doing it every day. I had no idea how much work was involved. <laughs> you know, and I think I think that was the, the big challenge was just people's time. And, you know, that was part of why it was really important for me to pay all the caregivers who were involved because it's their work now. You know, they were they were being actors and it meant that they couldn't be home caring for their loved ones. It meant that they were, you know, paying for gas in their car to come to rehearsal and all of that. And so it felt really important to value their time um, in financial ways as well. But that was the hardest adjustment was just sort of the different timelines of people's lives I that they're imagine. used to operating on. And meanwhile, for the theater artists, involved when they saw the rehearsal schedule they were like how are you going to make a play in this time this is crazy (laughs) it was such a shorter process than what they were used to but you had done so much research already and spoken with so many people outside of the studio so in your mind you knew how it was going to happen right I mean not I did I did Yeah. yeah and I think it just meant that as the director and really the main writer putting things together, I just had to make decisions faster than I would normally want uh-huh. to. There wasn't a lot of time for second guessing well, um, that's or kind weighing of like... all the things. I just had to be like, this is what it is. And that's actually, that can be a gift in an artistic process to just have to make a decision. Well, it's something that caregivers are quite used to, making decisions on the exactly. fly. Exactly, yeah. Well, so where, yeah, exactly. Where, where did their charges stay when the caregivers were at the studio? Did they have in-home help or... Did they bring the carriage charges with them? It was a range. Yeah, yeah. One woman did. Sort of our, the woman who kind of became our protagonist, Evelyn, mm-hmm. she would bring her husband, Bill, with her. And mm-hmm. we actually helped her find a student who's in Peg Iron's graduate program who would hang out with him just in the lobby while she was in rehearsal. Wow. So he would come with her. But and everyone he found Park- different and creative solutions. He has Parkinson's. He has yeah. Parkinson's, right. I read that. So she was, mm-hmm. she, she, Evelyn was the round the clock caregiver for Bill her husband of 54 right. years who had Parkinson's. She's been caring for him for 21 years. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. She married him when she was 19, and she's 74 now. Wow. Yeah. So you had all kinds of considerations that you wouldn't normally have had just in a straight theater piece, but then the Pig Iron's not exactly a straight theater company. So <laughs> That's I, right. That's right. I, I guess. Yeah, it was again. a really good lesson in, in letting go of creative control uh-huh. and <laughs> just being open to what happened. And, uh-huh. you know, and I remember thinking at one point, you know, I, I need to build this piece that if someone dies in this process, that person can just go take the time they need. You know, I remember having that thought at one point because I just thought, you know, all of our lives are so unpredictable and especially these caregivers' lives right now. I have to be really careful not to get precious about anything. Yeah, especially Margie. Her parents were 91 and and 95 now, right? Mm Mm-hmm, yeah. And those are the ones who both have dementia or one is exhibiting signs now and the other has full-blown dementia. Right, because that's a consideration. I didn't even think about that possibility that somebody might die. Yeah. You know it's going to happen at some point, but... Wow. So how did the audience members react to these performances? And if you could give us an example of some feedback. Yeah, I have been very overwhelmed by the response. Mm. Um, 
it broke open something in a lot of people. I think because we all have caregiving experiences in different ways or will have them if we don't already. And we don't often have an outlet for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of theater people were very moved by just having these sort of, you know, real life non-actors on stage sharing their stories mm-hmm. and their authenticity in doing so. And unpredictability. I mean, I built the show so a lot of it was improvised because Mm -hmm. that's their strength. Their strength is not going to be doing something the same way every night and keeping it feel fresh and interesting. Mm -hmm. Their strength will be actually coming up with new material um, Mm -hmm. from what they know. Mm -hmm. And so I think people really felt that and enjoyed watching that. And then for community organizations and family members of these caregivers, I think it was very meaningful. The last sequence was describing physical characteristics of someone who had passed and it was sort of set to a dance and music and it really I think was a way of commemorating a lot of people's lives Mm -hmm. after the show people mainly came up to me and would just start talking about their grandparent or their aunt or it just unlocked all of these personal stories that people then wanted to tell me about and what do you recall about the Q&A sessions what sort of questions did you field I'm sure you yeah a lot lot of people were (laughs) there were a lot A lot of people were curious about, you know, just how we decided what was in the show Mm -hmm. and that process of making it. Mm -hmm. And did we ever think about doing a fiction like these caregivers would play the character of a caregiver? Mm -hmm. And I, you know, explained that actually what's so great about them is who they are, (laughs) not their, you know, amazing acting abilities to be someone else. But really, it was so rich, just what they would come up with as themselves for what they wanted to say. Someone else asked, you know, it was a it was an interesting question that I feel like is common in a lot of situations like this where he said, you know, you didn't really talk about economics, but mm-hmm. that's such a big part of caregiving. Mm-hmm. Why didn't you talk about it? Mm-hmm. And he's totally right. But my perspective as a theater artist is always, you know, actually sometimes the most effective thing isn't going to be laying out a technical argument. We should all think about the economics involved in caregiving. It's a huge huge element Mm -hmm. but also I feel like then as a theater artist if he was thinking about that while watching the play then I did my job Mm -hmm. even if it wasn't mentioned explicitly so part of it is trusting the audience to have a certain kind of emotional experience and then reflect back Mm -hmm. instead of telling them what to think or saying here are the political points we need to consider about caregiving because why do a theater piece then so for me the goal was really to make people have a shared experience together and feel something. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think they did. I think it unlocked a lot of emotions in that room. But that's actually, I think, what what we need more of in our politics and our policies is unlocking that so that then we can look at the arguments. Mm -hmm. By any chance, was this performance taped? For folks who didn't get a chance to see it, is there a way for them to, to watch it? Yeah, there will be. The video, um, because it takes some time to edit and all of that, won't be out for another month or two. Um, But then it will be made available. And, you know, we're also looking into encore performances. There were a few presenters there who might be interested. So now it's really a question of, again, because it's really important to me to pay the caregivers and theater artists of finding the funding to do it again. I would really love to bring it to a wider audience. Oh, I would love for that to happen, too. That was one of my questions. Is there a life for this show after the performances? Are you going to take it on the road? Can we put it on Broadway? <laughs> I know. I wish. I mean, I mean yeah, if anyone out there is listening. <laughs> it's not that far-fetched um, for it's me. It's not. And it's a think. pretty, you know, for a theater piece, it's a relatively inexpensive piece to do. People did bring that up at the Q&A is, you know, could it tour? And one thing that makes me really excited is that there were people there 
from theater presenting organizations in Philadelphia and beyond who might want to bring it, but then also people who said, oh, you know, you should do this for like the American Heart Association. <laughs> and so it's, it's just, it's fun to work on a piece that can both stand alone as something theatrical and artful and something that really could be a teaching tool for service organizations. Right. And in that sense, the taped performance might be a very economical way of doing that. You don't have to mount a show Mm -hmm. over and over for it to be useful for audiences or a teaching tool, as you referred to. The thing with video of theater is it's just never as good (laughs) as seeing it live. So what I would rather do is have someone produce the piece again live, you know, (laughs) even though that's a more expensive endeavor and all of that. But I wouldn't want people to feel like, oh, we have the video. We don't need to do the show again. Sure. Well, on another topic, I want to ask about your grandmother. Is she still with us? She is still with us. She has had a real kind of reversal in the past few months. So we'll see what happens. But we're we're starting to plan her 90th birthday party for September. So oh, that's we'll see. So for, yeah, this, yeah. for <laughs> listeners, I should say Nell's grandmother is her last remaining grandparent. And in the last interview, you told us that you were at your grandfather's bedside when he died. And your grandmother had been in and out of hospice because of congestive heart failure. And after her husband's death, your grandfather, she had made the decision not to spend her remaining days in the hospital if she had another episode. And now it sounds like she's doing really well. So I'm so happy to hear that. I was a little reluctant to ask, but I had to know. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Um, No, I'm really glad about it too. And, you know, we'll see what happens, but I think we all are, you know, just treasuring the time we have together. And my cousin actually had a baby in the last week. And so it meant that she also got to be around for the birth of her third great grandchild, which is very exciting. Wow, that's incredible. Well, so what's next for you at the Pig Iron? It's a great question. I mean, really, I want, based on the response, want to find the next artistic home for the caregivers. That's my big focus. But I am also looking into using this process of working with people who aren't performers to make something together in other capacities. So right now I'm actually trying to do a partnership with a mosque that's around the corner from Pig Iron and has a school um, and work with the teenagers at the mosque to make something together. So not related to caregiving, but a similar social practice project of, you know, how could we spread the word about something in our community that there's certain, you know, erroneous perceptions around, we'll just say. So where can folks learn the latest about the caregivers? Well, actually, since we last talked, I finally did what theater directors are supposed to do, and I made myself a website. Um, <laughs> so you can actually just go to www.nellbongjensen.com. That's N-E-L-L-B-A-N-G-J-E-N-S-E-N.com. So it's my name, but without the hyphen. And you can see more about the caregivers there. So, Nell, before we go, do you have any last thoughts? I don't. I think this covers it. I just really want to thank you for being behind this project from the very beginning and for spreading the word about it. You tapped into this and knew about this way before I did, but that caregiving is something people really want to talk about. And uh, I know you found that with your podcast, and I found that with reactions to the show this weekend. Um, It's really something that hits everyone at some point in time or another. We've been speaking with Pig Iron Theater Company's Associate Artistic Director, Nell Bong Jensen, about the caregiving. 
Caregivers, a performance piece Nail developed in collaboration with actual caregivers in the Philadelphia area over the course of several months and which recently went live at the Pig Iron Studio in Philly. The Caregivers celebrates the unsung work that the show's stars do at home every day. Nail, thank you so much for this follow-up conversation and uh, good luck with the Caregivers going forward and keep me in the loop. Thank you, Jenna. I certainly will. That's it for today. Thanks for joining us. If you like this show, please tell your friends and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to check out some of our other episodes. Head on over to agewise.com. That's A-G-E-W-Y-Z.com. And use our search feature to discover some great conversations with guests who talk about issues of specific interest to you. You'll get tips, find links to useful information, and best of all, know you're not alone. The AgeWise podcast is produced by me, and it's distributed on the nationally syndicated Speak Up Talk Radio Network. I'm Jana Panaritis. See you next time. And remember, every caregiver has a story. I want to hear yours. Yours.